not going to use wireless. It likes to crackle around, so I'll just use the, the pulpit mic. What do you think of Christ? Often it's been said <clears throat> there are three ways that you can view Christ. Either he's a lunatic, or he's a liar, or he's Lord. And each one of us has to answer that question. We dare say that most of us here this morning would dismiss the first one, that he's a lunatic. We would love to claim the last one, that he is Lord. But many times we fall in that middle category and in essence say he's a liar. Jesus asked a question in Luke 6 and verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? The rich ruler one time asked Jesus what he needed to do to have eternal life. And he was told to keep the commandments. And he said, I've kept these from my youth up. I believe the doing of his will is involved. But what do I lack? Go sell what you have and give to the poor. And then you shall have eternal life. And he went away sorrowful because he is very rich. I've gone through the motions. I've kept these commandments. But evidently he had forgot the commandment that was mentioned in the reading this morning. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. So there are those who acknowledge Jesus, but then, then in essence deny him by not believing that he is the Lord. The Great Commission talks about him going to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, but teaching them to do what? Observe most things. Is that what it says? Teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. This coming Wednesday, we will be looking at a lesson on God's way versus man's way. And Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9 will be used as well as other passages God's ways are higher than men's ways, and God's thoughts are higher than men's thoughts. Appreciate Steve's reading out of Revelation 5 this morning. Ties in well with God's way in Genesis 3. Here's God's way He's created a world, created mankind. Up to now, in Genesis 1 and 2, there is no reference to sin or no reference to a Redeemer. 
because man had not sinned as of yet. But in chapter 3, he has. Adam and Eve both sinned. And then in Genesis 3.15, we're given a promise that there would be a Redeemer that would come. Revelation 5 is talking about that Redeemer has come, fulfilled his task, and now sits at the right hand of the throne of God. And we live in between. And how do we live our life here? It's always interesting as you talk to people about Jesus. There is no denying that there was a man, Jesus, who lived on this earth. There are those who will acknowledge that he lived, he had followers, and it is his will. They will deny that he is the Messiah. They will deny that he is the Savior. They will deny that there is an eternal life, but they never deny the fact that he lived. But acknowledging the fact that he lived is not sufficient within himself. John reminds us in the Gospel of John, in verses, chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. But he did live. Even his enemies acknowledged that. Even the Jews who would not claim him as Messiah would claim or would acknowledge that he lived. Even the Romans will declare and write about a man living named Jesus in this period of the first century. They will not acknowledge who he is being the Christ. Some view Jesus simply as a good man. It is said that there are nearly 400 million Buddhists on this earth. And they believe that Jesus was a good man, but not acknowledge him being the Savior being the Christ, being the Redeemer for man. It's always interesting as we wrestle with it as those during Jesus' days and those of us today. The way that God has chosen to accomplish his will. They would acknowledge during Jesus' day that there are teachings what we would call the Old Testament, that are to be followed, but never really acknowledge who the Old Testament prophesied 
was coming. And why he was coming. The scriptures remind us that Jesus was a good man. Acts 10 verse 38 said he went about doing good. Think about all the people he healed. Think about all the happiness he brought into the lives of those whom he brought back from the dead. Though the Bible does reveal he was a good man, it reveals much more than that. And again, the Bible was written to those who need to hear what we call gospel. To hear what we call good news. To remind ourselves of John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not die but have everlasting life. But it's that acknowledging that he did come for a specific purpose. That he is the Savior. Even though many would not want to acknowledge that. There are those who would acknowledge Jesus as a great prophet. I always find that interesting. Islam is one of the world's largest religions with over one billion and a half followers. They say that's roughly about one out of four people on this earth are Muslims. One out of four. And they will acknowledge Jesus in the Quran. They will teach that he was born of a virgin. However, they teach that his revelation was only in effect to Muhammad came along and received his revelation. And that Muhammad is the last. It's interesting. Jesus was a good man. Jesus was a prophet of God. And yet he lied. According to them, he lied about who he was. He didn't simply say, I am a prophet. I am the prophet that was prophesied in the Old Testament. I am the Christ. There is no other. John 14, 6. He who comes to God must believe that he is. And that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but through him. They will deny that. But acknowledge him as a prophet. How can he be a good man and a prophet and lie? Well, if you follow politics, that seems fairly easy to do. But we're talking about God. God's ways are higher than man's ways. And his will is higher than our will. He was a prophet. Deuteronomy 18.15, Moses prophesied that he was coming, a prophet like unto him, and that we are to hear him. Described in the scriptures in Acts 3, verse 22, this is what the prophets, he is the one whom the prophets spoke of. 
And also in Acts 7 and verse 37. Jesus revealed to man what God wanted to be revealed. And thus he is that prophet of God. Again, this reading, what we call the Bible. Just catching that understanding from the very beginning. The majesty and the power of God. And then following that down through. And how God patiently had borne with man. In the reading, Jesus is talking to those of his day. The Pharisees. What do you think of Christ? Whose son is he? Well, for them, it seemed like they're not acknowledging Jesus as the Christ, but they're acknowledging that there is one who is going to be the Christ, and that he is the son of David. They knew their scriptures, did they? We know our scriptures, do we? Is it more to being this child of God and simply acknowledging some guidelines that we find in the scriptures? Is there more to being a child of God and just occasional adherence or fulfilling of duties? Well, I've kept these from my youth on up, but recognize something was lacking. The doing of his will, but not really wanting to do all that his will has said. I think at times, sometimes we fall into the category of thinking that Jesus is basically a good luck charm. Oh, I believe in Jesus. Which says then, I'm okay. I mean, I believe Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. And I've acknowledged that, so that's my good luck charm. I don't have to change my life. I do not have to change how I think about who he is. I do not have to change about what I think he wants us to do. We see it in the religious world that as long as you acknowledge Jesus... That's all that matters. What you do with your life has no impact on this relationship of Jesus being Lord. You look at any major religious body. Sad to say, you even look at the Lord's church. Oh, we believe Jesus. We believe we need to be baptized for the remission of sins. But after that, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you worship him. That's immaterial to God. He really doesn't care. That it does not matter really how you live your life. I mean, you have to live in the world. And if you live in the world, you have to do the things that the world 
believes needs to be done in the way they want it done. So you have to conform to the world. Is that what God says? Come ye out from among them and be ye separate, says the Lord. We live a different life. But the world, and I'm saying those even in the Lord's body, believe that you've got to do things in the world that really would not be acceptable in the eyes of God. You've got to pad your books. You've got to not reveal all the information, all the downfalls. And that's acceptable. How many, probably now up in the millions, how many millions of vehicles have been recalled because of some faulty device, computer chip, whatever else it may be, that they knew about basically when they installed them? Well, as long as they don't catch us, it's okay. Or if they do, then it's interesting to read, again, vehicles catching fire unexpectedly. And the manufacturer says, not our fault. We're not responsible for that. You're on your own. And do we do that somewhat with our service to God? What did it say at the beginning of the reading? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. What does that mean? Does that mean I can be haphazard in my service to God? Does that mean I can be selective in my service that I give to God? Again, do I think he's just that good luck charm? Listen, I've done this, 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 and this. I've checked off my things. And God says, no. You haven't given the heart yet. Give the heart. For the rich young ruler says, go sell what you have, give it to the poor. He said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. He went away sorrowful because he had much riches. Couldn't give up that one thing in life. However, he obtained them, it doesn't say, it doesn't matter. I'm willing to give God 90% of my life, 90% of my time, but this 10% I want to keep for myself. Do we have that type of attitude? Cannot quite give this up. 
And we recognize and we understand and we realize that, listen, whatever we have here, we're going to leave behind. Whatever we obtain here, we're going to leave behind. The only thing we carry through death is our soul. And that has no reference to what I did here in this life. We can, but I mean, I'm saying it's not what I achieved here physically that's going to make that difference. Have I loved the Lord God with all my heart? Am I striving to do all things that he has commanded? Read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Take time and read through that. Are you fulfilling that? Are we going to let the world get the best of us? Do we indeed believe that he is the Son of God? That's what the Bible says. Matthew 16, who do men say that I am? Asking his disciples. And I've always thought as I've read through that, some say Elijah says, one say one of the prophets. It's always interesting that as man gives his account, now he's asking those who've been in the presence of Jesus. He's asking his disciples who have been among the people, what are you hearing about who I am? What, excuse me, what are people saying? And man's perception of Jesus is wrong. I need to look at my life. Is my perception of Jesus wrong? Have I drawn my own conclusion as to who I really think Jesus is? But who do you say that I am? Peter says, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the what? The living God. You are the Christ. You are the Son of God. What a statement. And he was told, listen, <laughs> notice what men say and what Peter said. And then Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this unto you. But God had revealed that to you. He is the son of the living God. He is the only savior of mankind. It's only, salvation can only be found in Christ Jesus. Again, Luke 6, 46. Why would you call him Lord, Lord? Why would you call him Master? And not do what he says. Read Ephesians 5, verse 21, through the remainder of the chapter. Read what he has to say about husbands. Read what he says about wives. Read what he says about slaves or servants. 
and read what he says about masters. Are we doing that? Back to the Sermon on the Mount. Love your enemies. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Are we doing that? Do we believe indeed he is the Son of God? Every sin that I have committed, every sin that I shall commit, required the death of Jesus Christ on that cross, individually and collectively. Do I believe that? Do I believe when I choose not to love the Lord my God with all my heart? I need to repent of that. I need to confess it. I need to ask for forgiveness. Then I need to live it within the life that I live. Notice what God says about Jesus in, John, in Matthew three seventeen at the baptism. Again, you have to picture, if you will, draw a conclusion of what you're hearing or seeing there. Jesus has been baptized by John the Baptist. And as he comes up out of that watery grave in the Jordan River, out of the watery, out of the Jordan River, an audible voice from heaven, an audible voice, speaking in a language that could be understood. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Can you change that a little bit? Jesus is my beloved Savior. Let me do what well pleases him. Let me live in a way that would well please the Son of the living God. He knows me. He knows you. He knows your strengths, your weaknesses. And he's there each step that we take. But do we trust him enough to follow him in our life? Unless we believe that he is, we shall die in our sins. Unless we believe that he is who he said he is, Enough to the point that I will commit my life to him and crucify self. I will die in my sins. Sober in thought. God in his love. God in his patience. God in his mercy. Waits. Never will force himself upon anyone, but will always be there for anyone who's willing to come. So as we look at our life this morning, is it where it needs to be? Do we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God? Have we confessed him before men that he is the Savior? Repented of our sins, turned from them, 
been buried with Christ in baptism for the remission or the forgiveness of sins in order that we may be raised to walk that new life as a child of the living God. Most of us have done that. But are we living what we confessed? It may be that we need to make a change. It may be that we simply need to make it in our life individually. It may be that we need to ask for the prayers of the church to help us do what we know we need to be doing and should be doing. That invitation is open. If we could assist you, if we could help you in any way, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.